0: Love bugs. Welcome to another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show, where I discuss topics and issues to support Black women with self love, femininity, and womanhood, and their own personal love lives. I'm your host, your girl Joyce Robinson Myers, and we're continuing our short series titled "In My Fields" to get us through the fall. Last week we discussed the inner girl, and today we're going to chat about masculine archetypes. This episode can benefit women, men, and couples alike. I have scripted it as if I were talking to women to help them better understand male life, but the content is about men and so for men too. While I can speak to women about men and male nature all on my own, I cannot offer them male perspective. So I invited my husband to sit with me for a portion of the show so male voice could be present too. For this episode, there will be no affirmation or no journal. Welcome, welcome. Today, we're diving into male psyche and psychology with the breakdown on the four masculine archetypes. When it comes to matching, I use masculine archetypes as a way to teach women about male nature. I like to see if they can observe a man's habits and personality well enough to accurately identify the leading or the most mature masculine archetype a man possesses. Yes, even in general dating. At some point, I have my clients ask, any man or men they're dating to take the masculine archetype quiz and discuss the results. They can see how accurate their sense or their best guess was too. It did not take me long to pinpoint Jeremiah as the king and it's not because he's only that, rather it is because the kingly archetype possesses all of them and I could see them almost evenly but one in him. When I had him take the quiz, his results confirmed my intuition observation. Well, at least for one half of it. He was more king warrior energy. And that's the part that I was more right about. The other two, he scored equally with magician and lover. And I sensed that lover would be the lowest. So didn't quite hit the mark there. From my perspective, he operates as a king day to day. Over the summer of 2023, I published an episode on feminine archetypes and you all loved it. From both men and women, I was also asked if I would be discussing male archetypes too. And so here we are today. With feminine archetypes, you find more flow. With masculine archetypes, there is more evolution where men must mature and advance. This maturation and progression is connected to their emotional state or emotional wounds. In the feminine archetypes episode, I spoke about women representing mystery. For men, I would replace mystery with mastery. When it comes to manhood, we understand that it's something that has to be earned and even proven in some societies. A man is not a man just because he ages into male adulthood necessarily. Manhood is experienced in stages where men occupy one reality at a time with transition. Maleness is often thought of as linear and works upward to advance stage by stage. And that's demonstrated in the masculine archetypes too. In 1990, a book named After the Four Archetypes was published and written by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. It's called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Rediscovering the Archetypes of the Mature Masculine. Then an updated version titled Warrior, Magician, Lover, King, A Guide to Male Archetypes was published in 2020. And I'll be using the first edition as a reference today. Moore and Gillette starts the book with the crisis in masculine ritual process. And Jeremiah has spoken here before about why a society needs it and how black boys and men can benefit from it.
1: If I had to name some levels of manhood, I'd keep it simple. Uh, For me, it's uh, being a boy, being a man in training and entering into what we would call manhood fully. A boy is typically. I would expect one that is observing. And when you're a boy, you're simply observing, you are hopefully being instructed and gaining counsel along the way, through observation, through a father, a father figure, you see how they move in their life and naturally the boy will absorb those things, even in their childhood, there will be things that they are doing. And I think a healthy way of um, developing that boy during that time is counseling them about how they should make choices and behave from the vantage point of what a um, good man would do. A man in training, those teenage years, adolescence, Uh, before they leave the home. I think a lot of the time should be spent not just telling and helping them observe, but placing opportunities in their life to actually do and train them up on things that you believe are most important. Um, Simple example would be something maybe around the house. Maybe that you are a person that believes a man should be unafraid um, or um, familiar with uh, manual labor, for example, Uh, if that's true, and they are in that man in training stage, then you would want to give them responsibilities around the house that require that skill, um, learning how to work with their hands or do something that's associated with labor. And obviously that's with guidance, It's in a limited fashion, but again, they are learning and they're training um, that skill to be mastered. And finally, full manhood is where you're taking on all of the responsibilities expected and you as the individual man are seeking to master the skills you um, want over time. One of my favorite parts of being a man is my logical mind. And I'm not saying that this is exclusive to men only obviously uh but for me it's one of the things that i most appreciate and specifically because i believe it is one of the greatest ways if used appropriately to protect others that might not have as strong of a logical mind and i'll give a perfect example women both as mothers and in romantic relationships can be played and preyed upon through their emotions And if you are a man in their life that seeks to um, protect that woman, oftentimes using logic can help break through some of the cloudiness that deep emotions can create to help women make um, decisions that could be better for them in their role of motherhood or their role as a um, romantic partner. And I think that's a very useful thing. Sometimes it can be um, overly logical, obviously, any strength that can become a a weakness if overdone or underutilized. But I do think that logical mind is very helpful in those types of situations when you're trying to protect others, as well as when you have a tough decision to make. Again, um, hard decisions come with deep emotions And you have to be able to feel those emotions, but also um, put them in their proper place and use your logic to cut through the noise and make a a decision that is right for you on behalf of others. So I do um, most appreciate that as a man. I believe the best of men respond to good feminine energy with care, um, attentiveness, and... Openness, when responding to that energy, I think it's important to uh, be delicate, um, have that openness to allow that energy to flow. Feminine energy is often associated with flow and allowing expression to flow, allowing thoughts to go in different places without feeling like you have to direct it in one place. Um, is important and I think creates a feeling of safety for feminine energy. And so I think the best of men respond in that way when they're met with it. Uh, I think the most attractive elements to feminine energy are the softness, the intuition, the compassion, especially. I talked about the logical mind And sometimes the logical mind has a blind spot and isn't fully attuned to um, what can be empathetic in decisions made. And so I think it's very attractive when you can um, meet that energy with feminine energy and make sure that the decisions being made, how you treat people, how you show up in the world um, has that compassionate and empathetic element to it so that you aren't uh, losing sight of that important piece of um, of yourself and others. So that's what I think is the most important element of um, feminine energy.
0: To share some psychological background, allow me to reintroduce you to Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst of the 20th century who founded analytical psychology. His central concepts are individuation, collective consciousness, psychological complex, and archetypal phenomena, the one we're discussing today. Jung's archetypes are universal symbols or patterns that are present in the collective unconsciousness of all humans. And he distinguishes between male and female archetypes these archetypes are an aspect of masculinity inherent in all men with a bipolar energy or shadow that pairs for balance remember when i said manhood is experienced in stages and in jeremiah's reflections he gave a level of stage or hierarchy as well well these archetypes start at boyhood and then as the man child grows the more mature or immature archetypes develop into its fullness. I tell my sons that they are a man-child or man-children. And as they grow, the purpose is for the man part to remain and for the child part to mature, but not go away. In fact, chapter two of the book opens with boy psychology and gives an account for the structure of the archetypes. Here's a direct quote from the book. Each of the archetypal energy potentials in the male psyche in both its immature and mature form and has a triune structure. Oh, that potential. Boyishness is where potential lives, ladies. And then maturity develops or immaturity remains. I hope you caught that. And if you need support in understanding male nature or assessing men for maturity or quality, I invite you to book a one-to-one call with me or join the Agape Love Lady Membership on my Patreon to become a mentee. It's important to understand that adult males do not lose their boyishness and the archetypes that form the foundations of boyhood do not just go away. Now, I wanna read you perhaps one of the most important sentences in the book because when I first understood it, I understood better how to relate to men and what to expect from them. It reads, since archetype cannot disappear, the mature man transcends the masculine powers of boyhood building upon them rather than demolishing them. As I list these archetypes, I distinguish between mature and immature parts of the psyche as the divine and dark energies, respectively. The dark energies are bipolar, identifying one of two immaturities in an underdeveloped or ill-nurtured man. I will also list them in the order of their evolution, starting with the earliest possible type and the fourth one who has commanded a presence of them all combined, at least to some degree. Number one, lover. The boyhood foundation of the lover is the Oedipal child. The Oedipal child manifests when a boy who is passionate has a deep sense of wonder and appreciation for connectedness and intimacy. It may seem that this archetype is about sex, but it's really about emotion and pleasure Now, of course, that includes sex, but this archetype is certainly not limited to it. When properly nurtured, the Oedipal child will develop into the mature masculine archetype of the lover. If neglected, the Oedipal child splits off into either the mama's boy, also called the impotent lover, or the dreamer, also called the addicted lover. The lover is the primal archetype being the first to appear after birth and the first to develop in a man, assuming maturity. He is full of youthful idealism and excitement. He feels alive, connected to the world and others. He's intuitive and good at reading others. And he is generally empathetic and gets along well with others. This is the guy who enjoys life's pleasures, good food, beautiful scenes, or even gorgeous women. In its dark energy, remember, it has two sides. The first is the addicted lover. So a man ruled by the addicted lover is incredibly restless, forever searching for that one thing, that one person or one experience to feel alive, but he is never satisfied. Y'all know this kind of guy. He falls in love with every girl he dates and acts like he can't bring himself back from a breakup once he's dumped. He is rich with ideas and inventions that will make him wealthy, but never works at them long enough to get them off the ground. He has no real structure and instead is a collector. Collector of toys, trinkets, experiences, or even women. He is aloof and drifts away from reality. On the other end, the impotent lover archetype feels depressed and dead inside. Nothing brings him joy anymore, and his passion for life is lost. His relationship and friendships are a struggle for him, and they usually flounder. And as the name would suggest, libido could be low or non-existent too. He can be a man who disciplines himself too much or tries too hard to be perfect. This shadow rears its ugly head with womanizing and excessive porn use these are the men who we would say have mommy issues.
1: I believe the lover archetype definitely rings true as a part of male psyche and the, um, male psychology. I also believe that this archetype, interestingly enough, is probably most tied to a man's relationship with a woman and especially his mom. His mother. Uh, Because it's the first archetype, naturally, it's the one that you are developing in your youth uh, at birth. And almost all of us learn how to love and what love looks like first from our mother. And so depending on the healthiness or unhealthiness of um, your relationship with your mother as a man, it can have an outsized impact. I believe, this is a personal opinion, but I believe it has an outsized impact on how this archetype develops in a man and ultimately how it manifests with his relationships with women over time and with the rest of life, right? A lot of this archetype is about um, how a man enjoys or can, can tap into domains of like intuition So emotions and feelings. And um, I I believe that that extends into many types of relationships, not just ones with a partner. I also believe that this one likely has the similar to the the connection to a, a mother, it also has the ability to be most transformed by a partner, if it is, let's say the positive aspect of it is buried somewhere. For example, if he, is, um, he operates in an impotent fashion, I believe the right type of woman can unearth an aspect of that man that does find joy in uh, other parts of life that he might have felt like he was depressed or didn't you know, uh, find things that he found enjoyable. I do think the right type of woman in his life can transform that. So definitely rings true. Uh, It is also probably the one that for whatever reason, men in general would be served to learn how to restrain. Masculine energy tends to like to, as uh, you've put it previously, master something and a corrupt form of mastery is overindulgence and addiction. And so this is also one where I believe men are well served to exercise the most restraint because uh, our natural inclination is to try and try and try and try and try again at something until we feel like we've mastered it or gotten the most out of it And that can turn ugly really fast Um, and so uh, definitely rings true and those are some of my thoughts and for me personally my results were pretty well rounded and uh, I do think that I'm really good at understanding those domains of intuition Uh, sometimes I don't exercise them even though I understand them but I do think I have a good sense for what it means to tap into those elements and enjoy different aspects of life.
0: Number two, warrior. The boyhood foundation of the warrior is the hero child. He takes action, gets it done, and values protection and defense. If properly nurtured, the hero child archetype will mature into the manly warrior archetype. If neglected, the hero child could split off into either sadist, also called the grandmaster bully, or the coward, also called masochist. This archetype is often received negatively because mainly women and children have suffered harm from the dark energy of the warrior. While I want to leave space for people who have suffered here, it's important to note that a balanced warrior trains and perfects his character with a sense of responsibility and the spirit of defense. A mature warrior does not act just to show his power. No doubt about it, the warrior type is innate to men. It's simply a matter of how they choose to use it. Now, this is the part that women do not typically appreciate, but at times, so it's not all the time, the mature warrior may need to emotionally detach and zoom in on a task with a level of single mindedness. I like how Moore characterizes this in his book, he says, the warrior needs room to swing his sword. A mature warrior fights for something bigger than himself, though. Alternatively, the immature forms of the warrior can be the most troubling aspects of masculinity. In its dark energy, there are two sides. The first is sadist. When emotional detachment becomes a man's permanent state, the sadist or the bully controls the man's psyche. These men are often married to their jobs. So being a military soldier is obvious, right? But it also includes ministers, doctors, politicians, and more. Basically, jobs that come with oaths where the man is the sacrifice before the people or swears in to protect serve and defend at all costs this man can be cruel and despises this weakness this type is usually insecure about being man enough and places this insecurity onto others he demands respect from others and will unleash his wrath be it physically and or verbally if he fails to get it on the other end The masochist or the coward is the passive shadow. He often feels powerless and is a pushover who will let others walk all over him and avoids confrontation. He likes to be a martyr. This is the hand-pecked type of man who tries so hard to be who others want him to be and hardly stands up for himself.
1: I believe the warrior archetype is Most definitely uh, a part of the male psyche and I think is the one that everyone probably is most familiar with for good and bad reasons. If there was one that needed to be curtailed more than the lover, arguably, it is most likely the warrior archetype um, in terms of the dark sides of it. Um, I also believe it's the most undervalued, but that is largely because the dark forms have manifested themselves in our communities, especially the sadists, um, more often than, than not. And so we lose sight of what benefits can come with a fully evolved warrior archetype that's so necessary in communities. I like to think of this archetype as one that needs to be trained constantly, but seldom used, hopefully. You want someone that is highly trained in being able to protect when protection is required. You want someone who can stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves when it's required. And you pray that it is rarely required, but in those situations, the individual who's expected to show up in that moment must constantly be training the mind and the body and the skills to do so. It has to be muscle memory in a moment, especially in crisis, for example. It has to be muscle memory. Otherwise, everyone's running around like the a chicken with the head cut off. You have to have that person that has a calm and clear mind when Uh, setting boundaries when moments of um, protection are required, and that requires training. And so I do believe it's a very important aspect of male psyche. I believe that it's undervalued, broadly speaking. And I believe if we created space in our societies and our communities for more intentional training of this archetype specifically, it could help us all Um, with those individuals that have the ability but know when to use it and when not to.
0: Love bugs. I need to take a small break, but I will be back to review the next two masculine archetypes as soon as I return. See you soon. Number three, magician. The boyhood foundation of the magician is the precocious child. The precocious child manifests when a boy is eager to learn and when his mind is quickened or when he wants to share what he is learning with others. This energy activates a man's sense of wonder, stimulates intellect, and moves in the direction of maturity. When properly nurtured, the precocious child will develop into the mature masculine archetype of the magician. If neglected, the precocious child could be naive or become a trickster. The magician archetype is about claiming our capacity as co-creators of the universe. Moore and Gillette says, When mastered, the magician energy has deconstructed the ego and led to thoughtfulness and insight. The magician keeps the other archetypes in balance and is the steward of the psyche. This archetype is the origin of the male curiosity and their adventurousness. He usually has a knack for knowing what makes other people tick as well as himself. He is the part of the male psyche that is the problem solver. He finds the answers and works toward fulfillment. Of all the archetypes, the magicians, they need sacred space, honey. So the lack of initiation rituals, especially in our American society, impacts them the most. My poor magicians. in its dark energy, there are two sides. The first is the trickster. The trickster seduces others into believing him and then pulls the rug underneath them. He is a chronic manipulator who enjoys making a fool of others. He brags incessantly and likes to play a mean game of one up. He likes to intimidate and run his mouth. Now, I have to give my Uncle Lynn a little bit of credit here because he used to always tell me, be careful of a talking man. He was not talking about leaders and visionaries who usually have something meaningful to add to conversation, but a man who just talked. I can hear him now. Women can just talk and talk if they want to, but men, they need to have something to say or shut the hell up. He did not like a talking man, honey. He always saw a talking man as a hustler or someone trying to swindle. To this day, I've never met a talking man who wasn't a shifty little thing. On the other side, there's the innocent. And this isn't the good kind of innocent. No, this is naive to a fault. In fact, the authors call this dark energy the dummy. But I'm gonna stick with naive for this episode. This energy is unresponsive and dull and constantly dishonest. He grasps more than he shows, but there's a hidden of grandiosity, leaving him to feel more important than he actually is. And that kind of vulnerability, mm -mm, it's not becoming on this undeveloped archetype.
1: I like the magician archetype mainly because it's the least understood. In my opinion, the way that I would describe uh, the magician is one who loves to seek knowledge, more knowledge, more skills, and in doing so, a fully evolved magician does it with humility. Joyce mentioned the under-evolved versions being a trickster manipulator and a innocent or dummy. Both lack humility. One thinks they know more than they really do. And then the other knows they know a lot but uses it for the wrong reason. And both are obviously negative versions of what we seek within our communities. And I believe that a great man with this archetype associated with them that's fully evolved comes with that thirst for knowledge. They're seeking to learn, grow in their skills, but then also wow others in a positive way with those skills, share them to others um, and pass it on. And so I think it's important. And I think it taps into the idea of humility. When you are a student, you know that there's always something else to learn and that you don't know everything, but that's the very mindset that allows for you to grow in your your own understanding. So uh, I love this one because for me personally, uh, it reminds me of that idea of humility and the importance of it when uh, seeking knowledge.
0: And last but not least, number four, the king. The boyhood foundation of the king is the divine child. He is both helpless and all-powerful in many ways. The divine child manifests when something new, creative, fresh, and even innocent is born. The authors use examples like Jesus or Moses, If properly nurtured, the divine child archetype will mature into the manly king archetype. If neglected, the divine child could split off into either high chair tyrant or the weakling prince. The king is a renaissance man, possessing all that is king with warrior, magician, and lover energy. He is resolute, decisive and wise, providing protection and order. The borders of his kingdom separate the order from the chaos. The king is also insightful or intuitive, relying on his inner voice. He shrinks with punishment or harsh criticism and expands with praise and warmth. He is the part of the male psyche that is responsible for a man's leadership creating a vision for his life and knowing his purpose. In its dark energy, there are two sides. The first is the high chair tyrant. The tyrant is narcissistic, pulls others down and tries to maintain an illusion of absolute power or a sense of grandeur of self. The tyrant fears that someone will take his place So he's resistant to new life and also fears that any new subject could be the one who will replace him. He's arrogant, childish, and irresponsible. Like the divine child, the high chair tyrant needs attention. But unlike the divine child, the high chair tyrant doesn't give anything back. He doesn't inspire. He just demands. The grown man who is still ruled by his high chair tyrant sulks when he doesn't get his way, fails to take responsibility for his actions and is incapable of taking criticism. These are usually the men who have a God complex. On the other side, there's the weakling prince who goes through lengths to conceal his passiveness or his lack of power and gives off a false sense of strength. The weakling Prince makes his own kinds of demands. He has no passion for life, no enthusiasm and no initiative and must be completely coddled. He plays the victim and it's never his fault. Now listen, this guy isn't the mama's boy in the truest sense of the phrase, as we've already covered that one, but his parents usually do not mind flying in to save him from himself. On the same pole, these dark energies work closely together as the tyrant attempts to hide the weakness. Ladies, think about the careers that are usually associated with God complexes. Then ask yourself, why is that man in this field of work? I usually can determine if a kingly man is operating in his divinity, or on the tyrant or weakling side in learning more about his work and why he's engaged in it.
1: I believe that most men aspire to achieve this archetype for themselves, or at least seize themselves in this role as a a king. It made me feel good that Joyce said that she saw this archetype in me, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, But in all sincerity, I see it for myself as well. It's one that I've not consciously try to embody. I haven't walked through life saying, I want to be the king archetype. But the elements of what comes with the king archetype are ones that I've always valued and wanted to embody. Um, Being resolute, having clarity of vision, uh, acquiring a domain, if you will, or some sense of kingdom, with assets through uh, my profession and then using those for those within my kingdom in a positive way, a sense of inspiration. All of those things I think are important and um, uh, elements that I seek to achieve. I also would be uh, remiss not to mention that whenever you're doing something, you always have to watch out for the blind spots. Um, would never have called myself a a passive prince. But I definitely have to watch out for the tyrant myself, right? It's just an element of growth that I think we all have to go through. And so in my pursuit of maturing as a king, I continue to try to watch out for the dark sides, not just for this one, but for all the four that um, have been spoken about. So this one is one that I think all men want to achieve for good reason if you do it right. It naturally comes with other elements of the other archetypes because to be a king is to have the other elements at your disposal. And so um, obviously this is one that ranked highest for me It's the one that I think Joyce naturally saw in me, and I continue to try to embody this one as much as I can.
0: Our next episode is the final episode of our round two pop-ups for your fall season. And I've invited Jeremiah to discuss fatherhood and his experience with IVF as the male partner. For now, I leave you with the words of Kendrick Lamar. I always thought it was me against the world. And then one day I realized it's just me against me. Thank you for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, And I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers.